So a lot of news, a lot of big time news went down yesterday and last night. Um, yesterday afternoon, I saw the tweet from Solar Monster on his uh, Twitter stating that Becky Lynch is now off the Survivor Series card. Um, Fightful.com and uh, Sean Ross Sapp and Jeremy Lambert reporting that she may have suffered a broken nose and a concussion uh, during the uh, SmackDown invasion of Raw on Monday night uh, at the ending segment of the show. Um, I did not watch that segment in its entirety live on, on Raw. I had actually watched it after I woke up at four something in the morning and I had to go to the bathroom. Um, come to find out, yeah, she took a shot to the face region uh, by Nia Jax as she was the uh, cause of the uh, broken nose and bloodied face of Becky Lynch. Um, and, due, and due to that, she is now like I said before, off of the Survivor Series card, which is meaning that Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey will not be going down this Sunday live on pay-per-view. Um, looking at the report here, uh, terrible news for Becky Lynch and the WWE Survivor Series. Fightful Sean Ross Sapp has learned from a source uh, via Ted Gruber that Becky Lynch suffered a concussion and a possibly a broken nose during the multi-woman brawl to end WWE Raw. Due to the injuries, Lynch has been pulled from this Sunday Survivor Series event. The SmackDown Women's Champion was scheduled to face Raw Women's Champion Ronda Rousey in a highly anticipated showdown, in which many believed, including myself, was more than likely going to be the main event of Survivor Series. Um, this was probably the one match a lot of people had their eyes on, no, no, due to the fact that this was a, a first time, a true first time ever match between the two. And the fact that this was more likely going to be one of the biggest matches of 2018. Now, WWE is yet to make an official statement on the matter, but Fightful reached out about the matter. As Fightful reported on Monday night, Lynch was checked by doctors following the end of Raw, and she did not immediately travel with Team SmackDown out of Raw. SmackDown invaded Raw in the closing segment of the show to build this Sunday's event. During the brawl, Nia Jax stiffed Lynch, causing her to be cut open. It was originally reported that there was no heat on Jax for the incident, but with new, the new information, the sentiment has changed. And, of course, Lynch made uh, a series of posts on social media showcasing her bloody face. Um, one being from her, um, a picture of her uh, standing in the crowd, um, bloody, a bloody face mess with uh, Irish war paint as one of her posts. And uh, a second that I'm seeing on here with two photos of herself uh, stating, and I quote, when you're... While you're babbling on about avocado toast and whatnot, let me pull this up again to make sure I got this right, because my tablet just decided to reload. When you're babbling on about avocados, I'm main eventing my show and your show. Did you hear last night, Rhonda? That's the sound they make when the man comes around, end quote. Now, A lot of people, from what I've seen and heard, because I, I did check out uh, JD from NY206's um, video yesterday uh, talking about the cancellation of the match itself. Um, a lot, I know Nia Jax is going to be getting is getting a lot of heat from uh, management due to her um, fist to the face of Becky. Um, I did see the video clearly. 
from WWE's YouTube, and then I saw the actual video from a fan who had posted it, excuse me, on Twitter, and I had uh, retweeted it, so if you do follow me, at Sway Senator WWI, that, I think it was like a 10 second video, um, that clip is on my timeline, you can check that out to see the actual moment when Nia Jax hit Becky Lynch, and thus giving her the, uh, the bloody nose. And I'm for certain that a good amount of people on social media are giving Nia Jax a lot of shit for her actions. Um, my point of view is this. I know, I feel that it wasn't intentional. I don't think Nia Jax intentionally tried to do what she did to Becky Lynch. I know if she, I know she didn't have any beef or ill will towards Becky uh, but the way it came across is that she had intent to hit her in the face um, it was one of those moments where it was a lot of shock when I first heard about it I told a couple of people that um, I work with that are, uh, do follow the product as well and they were just as shocked as I was um, I spoke with Kevin and Nick from the Wrestling With Issues podcast and they were just as shocked as I was, and I believe Kevin was the one who was looking for confirmation, and he did find it, and it was it was a legitimate report. It is a legitimate report stating that, yes, she did suffer a broken nose and a concussion. So, it was like one of those, it was a shocking moments. Now, um, while listening to JD from M206's uh, video, and I actually agree with what he said on this, Maybe it would be a good idea for Nia Jax to go back down to the PC and work on the craft a little bit. I mean, she was only down in NXT for, I believe, two years. Um, And from the looks of it, she really hasn't improved as much as we had hoped. I know she was one of the bigger names in the women's division when she was in NXT. And then got the call up, I believe, right after uh, her match with Asuka. I believe it was like late last year or uh, late, uh, early last year or late 2016 around that time when she made the call when she got the call up to uh, come to the main roster and it really didn't and she hasn't really improved that much she's been the same old same old Nia Jax and it kind of confuses me how she's still in the five on five women's survivor series match it really shows maybe she is a name that isn't ready for that big type of moment, especially given the look of the Survivor Series team as it stands right now with her set with her, Tamina, Mickey James, Natalia, and Ruby Riot. And in my honest opinion, and I said it uh, last episode on the opening segment, that this is probably the worst Raw Survivor Series team that could probably be made up. Leave because you're leaving out Ember Moon, you're leaving out Bailey, you're leaving out Sasha Banks, uh, three of the more prominent names in the Raw Women's Division, which kind of sucks for us because now that's the five we're going with. Um, she definitely needs to work on her shit. Uh, I don't believe she should be suspended, I don't believe she should be, you know terminated for her stuff because a lot of people are saying you know they should be she should be fired she should be suspended for her actions she should have her title shot revoked um the way i see it now is this 
And I said this to one of my buddies at work and I told him straight up now that she has the heat, now that she has plenty of backstage heat on her, the only, the only true option they honestly have is to have Nia Jax job out to Ronda Rousey when they have their title match at TLC. I'm for certain they're going to have the title match at TLC. And I was, I was already in the mindset that Rousey was going to be Jax. But now it makes even more sense to have Nadia Jack's job out completely to Ronda Rousey. And that might be punishment enough. She should not. I, I mean, I don't think WWE will suspend her. I don't think she'll be fired anyway whatsoever. But jobbing out to a Ronda Rousey in very quick fashion for her actions probably makes the most sense. Now, we found out on last night on SmackDown that Becky Lynch did announce that yes, she was not going to be involved in the Survivor Series match against Ronda Rousey and she chose Charlotte who honestly was the most credible of anyone on the SmackDown women's roster to take her place uh, which is a big deal which actually is a big deal because now instead of possibly getting that match at WrestleMania 35 for the Raw Women's Championship in a a more than likely um, having Charlotte win the Raw Women's Championship and become a nine-time Women's Champion, which in and of itself is absolutely fucking nuts. Uh, It would make sense for to have this happen. I mean, Charlotte is, like I said before, the most credible opponent for Ronda. So, it is a a blessing in disguise. We now get Rousey Charlotte out of the way. We knock that out completely. That's done. We'll get that done after Sunday. We'll never have to worry about that ever again unless they want to revisit it at a later date. Uh, Becky Lynch did not relinquish the SmackDown Live Women's Championship, which is also a big deal because um, I thought in my mind that she was going to relinquish the title due to her injuries, and they stated on SmackDown Live that she had suffered a broken face. Which kind of weirded me out a little bit because uh, her face didn't get broken; it was just her nose. I mean, you did see the, the huge, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not a scar, but like you did see like a huge black eye forming underneath her left eye uh, due to the shot taken from Jax. So there's a lot of, I mean, yes, it's a really big negative. It does take away from what was a very highly anticipated match and a possible main event that was going to happen for Survivor Series. And I know a lot of people were just looking forward to Survivor Series just for that match alone. And now a lot of people's interest seemed to have gone down a little bit. Mine still, mine has gone down, but knowing now the positives that do come out of this are much greater than the big negative right now. Yes, Rousey Lynch isn't going down, but that can be revisited at a later date. Um, like I stated, Charlotte uh, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, now we get that match. That is That was also a highly anticipated match that was more than likely, uh, if anything, could possibly have been the first time ever a women's main, ev- women were main eventing WrestleMania. We now get that match this weekend, and that's huge. As I said before, we now get that out of the way. Uh, so now... I think anticipation is still there. I was very hype about this match for sure. Um, And I knew kind of going into it, um, 
that more than likely Charlotte was going to take the title from Ronda Rousey, and that would have ended that between those two. So we now get Charlotte Ronda out of the way, and Becky Lynch is still the champion, and it can be revisited. Now, what they could do, this, this is probably WWE's biggest time to book this. It, it, and JD from NY206 said it best. It writes itself. It really does. You, if let's say Becky Lynch does relinquish the championship, he has to, she has to be out for a certain period of time to heal up, get the nose healed, uh, make sure she's uh, off concussion protocol. You have her come back at the Royal Rumble. She wins the Royal Rumble, and then she challenges Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. That means Raw, Becky Lynch, at that point, will be going over to Monday Night Raw way before the superstar shakeup if they decide to do one uh, next year you have lynch win the championship and defeat ronda rousey now i mean think about it like this lynch was already over with the crowd ever since the build-up to SummerSlam, before the match became a triple threat and now we get we'll still get to see rousey lynch but now for an even bigger prize and a bigger match. Now, if you still, and I hope WWE realizes what they have with this, because they've there have been plenty of times over the past couple of years where they've made serious mistakes and terrible booking decisions. Uh, one of them in particular being, in my, the one that first pops up in my head was Jinder Mahal, Shinsuke Nakamura, I believe it was October of last year. When he was as white hot as ever. And I believe it was hell in a cell when it went down. Um, I felt in my mind that Nakamura should have beaten Mahal. For the WWE Championship. Nakamura would have held the championship until Mania. Styles would have taken the title from Nakamura. And you still could have done the heel turn. It would have all made sense. And then it would have made sense for Nakamura to turn heel and go after AJ Styles for the championship. And he's the one chasing um, Styles for the belt. That would have made the most sense. But WWE decided not to do it. Um, two other ones that come to mind, of course, is Samoa Joe at Great Balls of Fire in 2016, I believe. Uh, actually, no, 2017. I'm sorry. Uh, where he was challenging Brock Lesnar for the championship. Uh, I felt that he should have won it. Uh, Samoa Joe would have been a great universal champion uh, at that time amid the reports that Brock Lesnar would have been leaving for the UFC uh, in September of that year uh, that would have definitely made sense to pull the trigger on Samoa Joe and have him hold the title albeit you know even if it was for like five six months and have Brock Lesnar win the title back at the Royal Rumble and then have Roman Reigns win it at Wrestlemania um, that you could have done it like that the third one that comes to mind is Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar at No Mercy last year. Um, Braun Strowman was just as white hot as Samoa Joe, and I felt he should have won the championship that September uh, at No Mercy's pay-per-view, and he should have held the title until Royal Rumble. Brock Lesnar wins it back, and then Roman Reigns wins the Royal Rumble, or whatever, however they wanted to do it, and Reigns takes the title from Lesnar. He could have done it so many times. Um, This was just from the last two years. They had these opportunities to make shit happen and they didn't pull the trigger. WWE has the opportunity to make this a bigger deal than people are honestly speculating on it right now. 
They're so, it writes itself. It honestly does. It really does. When you really think about it, you sit there and you think, man, I mean, Becky Lynch is already fucking over. She is so over right now. It showed this past Monday when Ronda Rousey was, uh, I believe it was the opening segment of Raw. She was talking to Stephanie McMahon and the crowd was just cheering Becky, Becky, Becky. She's that fucking over. She's probably one of the most over talents in the company, male or female. Of course, you know, Seth Rollins, AJ, all that. But Becky's probably the most over talent in the company at this very moment. And surprisingly, it's all due to Nia Jax. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, we'll never know. Breaking Becky Lynch's nose. It's a big, like, this This is so, this is tailor-made to be so easy for WWE to book this. Have Becky, and I said, and I talked about, and I said this, I believe I was talking to one of friends of mine, and he had told me there was going to be Charlotte Ronda, and my first thought, initial thought was, are you fucking kidding me? Because I didn't want to see it, but I came to, I came to, like, 30 seconds later and like, texted him back three messages later and really realized that this actually makes sense. You know, Charlotte is, like I said, the most credible opponent for Ronda Rousey. And then you can still have Becky win the rump. If, if, if they want to go the route of relinquishing the title because she can't can't defend it due to a broken face, which would not be a good idea for, you know, WWE and Becky to do this. Now, I am I personally am not going to fault Nia Jax as much as I will fault the WWE for doing this. The invasion angle, kind of stale, honestly. I mean, I mean, I honestly thought what was gonna happen was SmackDown invaded Raw on Monday. Raw would have invaded SmackDown on Tuesday, and that would have been that, and that would have been set up for a Survivor Series between the women. This now takes on a whole new meaning. This takes on everything. This is probably the one time I want WWE to not fuck this up. I don't. I, I don't think they can fuck this up. Every creative writer in WWE right now should be easily writing this down in permanent fucking marker. Becky Lynch goes to the Rumble. She wins the Rumble. Challenges Ronda for the Raw Women's Championship. You build that matchup. This will create even more hype because now, uh, what, from, like, you have like two full months, you're probably going to have Maybe Charlotte win back the uh, SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Um, maybe at the Rumble. Who knows? Whatever. Um, go through Elimination Chamber. Have Ronda to defend it. Um, Charlotte defends the uh, Elimination Chamber. Title in the Elimination Chamber. They both defend their championships. Becky makes the choice to face Ronda. Or she could face both. Who knows? It's her choice. Honestly, she could face any champion um, for the title at Royal Rumble. Um, going the Charlotte route again wouldn't make any sense because Becky beat Charlotte at Evolution in what was one of the best matches for the women in 2018. It was a big, really big fucking deal. Now, you have Ronda and Charlotte defend their titles. Um, Becky pretty much looks to Ronda and says, we have some unfinished business. We need to attend to. And at WrestleMania, we will handle our unfinished business. Becky beats Ronda in the main event of WrestleMania. Boom. 
you have your, you have a new Raw Women's Champion, and Becky Lynch is the most over woman, period. Like I said, the most over talent in the company right now. It's, it, it's so easy. My three-year-old nephew could book this if he understood the product as a whole. Um, it's just so easy for them to actually make this shit happen. Vince McMahon, I look to you and say, this is your moment. This is the one time we're going to look at you and say, make this shit happen. Because if you do not, if you do not have Becky relinquish the championship, win the Rumble, and then beat Ronda at WrestleMania, once again, I, I will lose all trust in this company. I've already given, I already lost a lot of respect for WWE for not making certain changes and not giving certain talents the proper just do they deserve Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, uh, Health, Finn Balor, um, Bobby Roode, uh, Asuka. They're so, I mean, hell, even go like think of it this way too. You have you get Charlotte, you possibly get Charlotte Asuka too at WrestleMania if you if they fucking decide to actually build up Asuka and give her a shot at the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. Asuka beat Charlotte and gets redemption for last year's loss they've already buried asuka enough i think it's time for her to get some get some shine too look and think about that you'll have two marquee women's matches on wrestlemania's card you get rousey lynch in the main event and you get charlotte asuka too how easy is that i mean out of a negative comes so many comes literally two complete positives two huge positives if you want to go that route but it's on wwe creative to make it happen i have no faith in wwe creative right now at this point to do this but this is the only route they can go if they do not make this happen it'll be the biggest blunder booking wise in the company's history the reports have stated they want to do a women's match for wrestlemania in the main event do it fucking do it now moving on to um, Daniel Bryan, um, I had I know I had spoiled it for some of you guys who didn't watch SmackDown last night. Daniel Bryan is now the WWE champion. Uh, he beat AJ Styles last night. Um, I got home from work around nine forty-five. I caught the tail end of the uh, Styles Bryan match for the uh, WWE Championship, and also news coming out that Jeff Hardy is taking Daniel Bryan's place on the. SmackDown side for the men's uh, five-on-five Survivor Series match. And we'll get into who wins in a bit. But now, but the way they finish the matchup is that I believe AJ Styles went for the phenomenal forearm. Daniel Bryan moves out of the way. Hits the referee in the process. Daniel Bryan low blows AJ Styles, hits him with a kick. Goes in the corner, hits the running knee, and gets the pin, beating AJ Styles. After the match was ended, Daniel Bryan turns heel, grabs AJ's AJ's arms, and continue and begins to stomp his face in. And then referee pushes him off. He goes back at it again, does the same thing over and over again. And the last image you see is Daniel Bryan with a maniacal smile. The crowd in shock, not 
real like realizing what just happened daniel bryan is not only turned heel but he's now the wwe champion after a 370 plus day reign from aj styles which i mean i guess they i'm not exactly sure why they decided to go the daniel bryan route for the champion i'm more confused as to why they turned daniel bryan heel um, as a baby face, he was getting some good reactions, but not to the point I think that WWE was looking for. And turning heel could have possibly been the best decision for Daniel Bryan. He wasn't, like I said, he wasn't getting much reaction from the crowd. He was getting good reaction, but not to the point where he was the over baby face. Now you have a heel Bryan, and somewhere down the line, we're gonna get Styles Bryan uh, three at TLC for the WWE Championship because we have to read because there's a rematch clause for AJ Styles that he will invoke. But now it leads into Daniel Bryan in four days time taking on Brock Lesnar, a match that fans have been clamoring for for the last four years. Um, I'm sure this is one of the things that Daniel Bryan asked for when he re-signed with the WWE. Um, before his uh, contract expired um, two months ago in September. We're now getting Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. The problem is, though, considering what we saw Monday night with the whole Jinder Mahal and the Singh Brothers segment with the Brock Lesnar pretty much suplexing the Singh Brothers like they were small children and just destroying... Jinder Mahal in the process, giving him an F5 on the outside. I'm kind of concerned for Daniel Bryan at this point. I really am. Because if you really think about it, Suplex City is going to be in Los Angeles. And Daniel Bryan's going to have to take a brunt, a huge brunt of the suplexes. Think about it this way. When Daniel Bryan, for, when he relinquished the World Heavyweight Championship and John Cena faced Brock Lesnar, that was supposed to be Daniel Bryan going up against Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. That was supposed to be the match, if you honestly think about it. John Cena took John Cena after Bryan had to leave the business completely. John Cena took that in place of Daniel Bryan. Four years later, we're now getting this match. Um, as a heel, I can see Daniel Bryan doing a lot of good with this. He's now the champion. He's finally got the belt that he, I mean, he said it himself. He was willing to do anything to become the WWE champion. And considering their match prior to Crown Jewel, it actually makes sense. He was willing to do anything. And even going to lengths like low-blowing AJ Styles. And I feel so bad for AJ's balls this year. You got to think of the amount of times Nakamura has low-blowed him and now Daniel Bryan low-blowing him. I hope it's... I mean, mean, I'm sure... I don't know if he wants to have kids ever again. With the amount of times he's taking low blows, I may reconsider your thoughts, bro. And I'm sure Wendy will probably be like, hey, no more kids. I think think you've been low-blowed enough. You're good. Don't worry about it. That's what I'm thinking in my head right now. But this can actually work. As for who I will predict will win, you got to stay tuned and find out, guys. This is episode 24 of the Young Lions Perspective. And with that being said, let's make some picks.
What's going on, guys? Zach from the Wrestling Issues Podcast here, and welcome to episode 24 of the Young Lions Perspective, guys. I'm so glad to have you here today, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your evening, your brunch, checking out the podcast. I greatly and truly appreciate it. As always, guys, it's prediction day. Double predictions. We are do we are doing our preview and predictions for NXT Takeover War Games two and Survivor Series. Now uh, I hope you guys enjoy the opening segment of the show talking about Becky Lynch, um, what WWE has has gold on their hands moving forward, and Daniel Bryan winning the WWE Championship last night. And my thoughts on what I feel is going to be happening going forward and what this could mean for Daniel Bryan as a heel champion. Uh, this. I mean, all of that was a, was a lot to take in from last night, especially with the news of Becky Lynch, uh, Ronda Rousey being canceled. But there's a lot of positive that can go out, come out of it if they if WWE decides to do it right. But enough about that, guys. We're about to talk about one of the most anticipated takeovers, I think, in, in their history. Uh, NX, talking about NXT TakeOver War Games 2 going down this Sunday in Los Angeles. And I am really excited about this card. Uh Usually they go with five matches for their NXT takeovers, but given the severity, um, the huge implications of the card, they're only going with four this time around. And we are going to start off right away. We're going to go out the gate. We're not even going to preview much. We're going to just get right into it. Shayna Baszler versus Kyrie Sane in a two out of three falls match for the NXT Women's Championship. Of course, this feud dates back to last year's final in the May Young Classic with Baszler losing to Kyrie Sane to win the uh, May Young Classic finals in what I thought was a really good match between the two. Uh, over the summer is where, they, where their feud really started cranking up with Baszler defeating Sane, uh, making her tap out to the Kirifuda Clutch, and then uh, Baszler going on to win the NXT Women's Championship and then Kyrie Sane beating Shayna Baszler at NXT Takeover Brooklyn Four by uh, with the insane elbow becoming the new NXT Women's Champion, and then at Evolution the two fought again for the uh, title, and with the help of Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir, we and Shayna Baszler becomes the first ever two-time Women's Champion. Um, Kyrie Sane then. Uh, it did invoke her rematch clause, and Regal making the decision to declare this a two out of three falls match. This feud, honestly, has been one of the best I've seen this year, uh, especially in NXT. They've really been, like I've, I've been stating it for, ever since the beginning of this podcast, that they have been showcasing the NXT women's division in a great light. Uh, they've been putting on great, great, great matches, showing the depth of the division as a whole. Um, and this feud, I think, at this point, does come to an end this Sunday. Um, given the fact that Shayna Baszler just became a two-time women's champion, and given the fact that Kairi Sane is trying to get back what she, what her, the treasure that she lost, her being the Pirate Princess and all, it what it became a much easier prediction to make involving this. Uh, I will even I'm even going to predict the falls. This is I'm I'm going that deep. I'm going to predict all three falls. I'm giving the first fall to Shayna Baszler. 
I'm going to give her the submission. She will make Kyrie Sane tap out. Baszler goes up one nut, one nil on Kyrie Sane. Going into the second fall, and I, I think they're going to go the route of uh, Baszler surprising Sane and uh, making her tap early on in the match. I think they're going to do that. I think they're going to go that route, which doesn't really hurt because I know that they're going to be going a long while with this match. I think they're going to be going at least along the lines of 20 minutes. Ooh, excuse me. I just had breakfast, so forgive me if I burp a little bit. Like I said, they're going. To go in, I think they're going to go at least 20 minutes with this match. So they want. I, I would. I would assume that they would want to get the first fall out of the way. Uh, I do believe Jessamine Duke and Marina Shafir are going to be cornering uh, Shayna Baszler now that uh, she's now because they're four horsewomen uh, members, and I think that's how it's going to go. Second fall, I will give to Kyrie Sane. I will absolutely, absolutely give that to Kyrie Sane. I think it will get to a point where uh, Duke and Shafir try to interfere and try to get, try to help Baszler get the sweep on Sane. Um, and due to their actions, both of them will get kicked out and be ejected from the match itself, thus leaving Baszler and Sane one on one to go to the final deciding fall. Uh, I think this will. I think the second fall will be the longest fall during the match. I think that will probably go at least like 10, 12 minutes. Um, Kyrie Sane has the resolve and the resiliency, hits the insane elbow, and she and then we are tied up at one apiece. Going into the third fall, that will be, of course, everybody, you're, you're on, uh, I'm sure you're on bated breath to figure out who I think will win this match. And for some of you who kind of understand where I come from and the way I think about this, I believe Kyrie Singh is going to beat Shayna Baszler, have the resiliency, have the resolve, have the intestinal fortitude to hit one more insane elbow, get the three count, and becoming the second ever two-time NXT Women's Champion. Um, I have a feeling, and I've been thinking about this for a while, and I think I said it uh, at the Evolution Predictions, that Baszler may be coming up to the WWE. It would make sense for Baszler to come up. At this point, she will have done everything she would have needed to do. Um, One thing I didn't talk about in the opening segment involving Becky Lynch is that we all know that that four horsewomen versus four horsewomen matchup is still looming. And now with... Becky Lynch being out of the Survivor Series card and, you know, her being out, Charlotte facing Ronda, you know, it, that angle is still there. They can still visit that, especially now that because that, they have Ronda on the main roster already. Baszler, I believe, is going to be called up. Um, I said personally myself that Baszler should go to SmackDown. I don't think you should have both of them on there. Um, I know that if let's let's just hypothetically think if they do the women's tag team championships, you could have a Baszler Ronda Rousey title reign with those two. That would be insane. But I'm more so worried about the women's division trying to be built back up as a whole before we get to tag team championships for the ladies. I'm just gonna sit put that out there right now. But I do believe personally, Sane needs this more than Baszler does. And Sane as a babyface champion still has a very good amount of opponents for her to challenge. One of them automatically comes to mind, Bianca Belair. 
that immediately comes to mind. And I believe she's facing Mia Yim tonight in a one-on-one matchup. And she, I will, I'm going to predict right now, she will stay undefeated. Um, I think TakeOver Phoenix, Sane Belair is where they're going to go. That's I honestly believe that's the route they're going to go for that uh, with TakeOver Phoenix and that leading into TakeOver uh, New York, New Jersey for uh, WrestleMania 35 weekend. I think Sane Belair will, and then that would be, I believe that would be Kyrie Sane's last match in NXT and Belair begins her reign and her dominance over the women's division. And at that point, Belair's your champion and you can build from there. Uh, that's my thoughts going with, with that. And I think going forward, that's the route that uh, NXT should go. Baszler going up to SmackDown provides a lot, a good amount of, as uh, a huge amount of depth, uh, fresh matches for Baszler. Um, if they want to go the route of a, a, a Becky Lynn, Shayna, a Charlotte, Shayna, you can do an Asuka, Shayna. And I don't think we've ever seen that match before with Asuka versus Shayna Baszler. That would be fucking awesome if they wanted to go that route. Uh, but I'm going with Kyrie Sane 2-1, and she wins back the NXT Women's Championship. Going into Aleister Black versus Johnny Gargano. And this is probably one of the, the matches that we have all been looking forward to. Uh, now, this is I'm looking at Wikipedia because it's probably the best way to get the matches, and plus they have the storylines on there, and this is from their Wikipedia website. On the July 25th episode of NXT, Aleister Black lost the NXT Championship to Tommaso Ciampa due to interference from Johnny Gargano. On the August 8th episode of NXT, Black and Gargano fought to a no contest when Ciampa attacked both men. A triple threat contest was scheduled for the NXT Championship at uh, TakeOver Brooklyn 4. After the show was over, Black was later to be found unconscious uh, in the parking lot at Full Sail Live. Black was out of action... um, we do know that he had a groin injury, um, so that the triple threat match at Brooklyn 4 pretty much went bye-bye, and we had Gargano Champa again in what I thought was a damn good last man, last man standing match between those two. Really fucking great in uh, between those two, and of course adds more to the, the rivalry between those two. Then uh, Champa won, Champa beat Gargano to win the championship. Um, Black was out for two months. Uh storyline and then we found out on october 24th that gargano was revealed to be the one who attacked alistair black before their original takeover brooklyn four title match and him turning heel in the process now what i love what i have loved about gargano champa in black is that with johnny gargano he stated it himself you know alistair black was in his way of what he wanted to accomplish he felt that he was the reason that Tommaso Ciampa is champion. He felt he was the reason that all of this has occurred. Ciampa's, you know, been the champion ever since, uh, ever since, uh, you know, in the middle of the summer when he beat Aleister Black for the championship. And he feels like he should be the one to take the title away from Ciampa and saying that him attacking Aleister Black was simply collateral damage, and and Aleister Black was just in his way, which really made a lot of sense uh, when you honestly think about it. Gargano wanted to be the one to beat Ciampa. Black was in his way. He took out Aleister Black. It meant, you know, it was simply business in his eyes. Uh, Aleister Black would probably think otherwise, um, screwing him out of a chance to get the championship back. But this match is highly anticipated. 
I've been I've been stating before, and I believe I've said it a couple times on the podcast, that Gargano Black was one of those matches that needed to happen, and I could not wait to see it happen the first time, um, and now we get it a second time. It's going to be absolutely fucking insane. In terms of Aleister Black, I want to talk about this for a second. The talk of call-ups after Big Five pay-per-views is always... Um, in the minds of those who are in the know and are big fans of NXT, we always have an idea of who we think would get called up, um, who we think should get called up, and do we feel it's the right time. I, Like I said before, involving Sheena Baszler, I think it will be her time to get called up after Survivor Series weekend. I think it makes sense for Baszler to get called up. And I'm putting her in SmackDown. With Aleister Black, I believe it's no different. I think, honestly, Aleister Black should get called up after Survivor Series weekend. So what does that mean for the match in my prediction? Sorry to say it, guys. I don't think we're getting Black Mass to the face for Gargano. I think Gargano is going to beat Aleister Black. It's it's kind of shocking to me because from the outset when they announced this match, I had in my mind Aleister Black gaining his revenge. But if you honestly think about it, to some people, in their opinion, they feel Aleister Black, uh, not Aleister Black, uh, Johnny Gargano should have already been champion at TakeOver Philadelphia back in January, and I was one of those people. I predicted Gargano to beat Omis, him become the new champion, and Gargano Cole would have been the feud going into WrestleMania weekend, um, and that would have been a dope match. Um, Gargano Black could have been, could have went down already, and this could have technically been Aleister Black versus Johnny Gargano 3 for the NXT Championship, and that would have been the night, and uh, Black did win the championship that night over Almas. you could have done the same thing with Gargano. This time around, I feel as if, and I believe in my heart of hearts, that Gargano, Gargano's quest for the championship has not ended yet. I believe Black has done everything he needs to do, the same way with Baszler, he has done everything he has needed to do ever since he has been in NXT. I believe it is his time to be called up, um, the story with Gargano Champa has not ended just yet. We need to we need to have that fun, you know that finality between the two, and I think that Gargano should be the one to take the title off of Champa. Now, in terms of Champa, he does have the Velveteen Dream. Lars Sullivan is looming, you know, around. He definitely wants his shot at the NC Championship, and I don't think I think Gargano. One, they should have Gargano maybe get his shot at the championship. The way I see it, that should be the case. And I have Gargano beating Aleister Black in what I believe is going to be one of the best matches uh, from NXT this year. I mean, when you look at the card, they, there's so many pot- I mean, it's hard to pick match of the night with this because every match that has been built up has been top-notch, top-tier booking. Uh, there was no missteps. There was no logic gaps. There was there was nothing that uh, negative about it. Every single step for all four of these matches absolutely made sense. Excuse me. It all made sense to everybody, you know, and now we are going to get to this point. Now, here's the way I see it ending. I can see Candice LeRae getting involved in this match. I honestly can. I really do believe Candice LeRae can get involved. 
I believe that Candice LeRae maybe helps Johnny win. You know, maybe by a distraction, possibly using a weapon. That would be, you know, my thoughts. I think that would be the, the way to go for that. And that's the way Gargano wins. By help of Candice LeRae, help Gargano. And that's how, and then Gargano hits a Gargano escape. Uh, Alistair Black, I think, would be knocked out at this point. Gargano wins. And Alistair Black then gets called up. Which would be insane to see if that's the case. But that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Johnny Gargano beating Alistair Black. Tommaso Ciampa versus Velveteen Dream for the NXT Championship. This was probably... Um, I, wasn't, I wouldn't say this is like one of those matches where everybody's like, holy shit, it's about to get real. But a lot of I, I've been clamoring for the longest time that Velveteen Dream should be fighting for championships. He is that damn good. He is one hell of a project for Shawn Michaels and Triple H. Is Shawn, this is literally Shawn Michaels' pet project. He has been the one behind the Velveteen Dream. Everything that he's done up until this point has been Shawn Michaels and Triple H and the rest of the guys in NXT working with Velveteen and trying to build and building him up into what he is right now. And Tommaso Ciampa, of course, winning the championship against Aleister Black. Defending it against Gargano. Um, having a, a very good match with uh, Otis Dozovich of uh, a few weeks back. And he has made every person he's been in that ring with a lot better. He's made them look fan-fucking-tastic. So, with Lars Sullivan looming in the background. And possibly Johnny Gargano looming in the back burner at the moment. It'd be hard for me to say that Velveteen Dream wins the NXT Championship. As much as I would love him to be NXT Champion and to see that belt around his waist, to see that crowd pop in Los Angeles for the NXT Championship, that moment, seeing Dream hold the title above his waist, seeing all the entrances, seeing all the, you know, the clothes that he would wear with that championship, probably, you know, matching up, you know, looking nice with the gold and all that stuff. I still believe Champa retains the title. Follow me on it, guys. I said Gargano would beat Black. By hook or by crook. Candice LeRae would actually help out in the process. That's how I see it. Champa Gargano needs to happen. One last time. It does need to happen. As much as, you know, some some of you guys may say we don't need to see Gargano Champa again. They've already done that. I don't think that feud has ended just yet, guys. There's more to tell with this story. Especially now with the with how Gargano has evolved into this guy who has you know embraced the dark side of himself and Champa of course tweeting out you know how proud he is of Gargano, um, of you know embracing his dark side, embracing the, the the badness the you know the bad in him and you know doing everything he's done. I see my dog looking at me right now. She's kind of tired. Don't mind me. Um, hello, hi. Um, with Champa, that this this isn't this isn't done yet. Gargano Champa has not finished yet. I think it'll be a great match between these two, and I think the build for this match has been nothing short of spectacular. They have really showed up and showed out with this feud. They have really built up Velveteen Dream to look fucking fantastic. Um, 
but that lasting image of Dream attacking Champa, Dream then holding, taking the NXT Championship, holding it above his head, him then taunting Champa after the attack that he put on Champa. I'm an old school kind of guy when it comes to booking certain things, and. In, if you know old school booking, usually the lasting image of what the babyface does, let's put it this way. Let's say Champa had the last laugh on Dream. I would be picking Velveteen Dream to take the championship. It's just old school booking. Um, I know the go-home show is go tonight, so I don't know what they're going to do there. With that, but I don't. I don't think they're gonna do much with it. I think they're gonna have you know maybe some crazy segment with Champa talking shit, or you know Velveteen Dream talking shit, or just a nice little promo, maybe a contract signing. Who knows? But truthfully, Champa Gargano's not done. Uh, I think with Sullivan looming along the horizon, and I said this before uh, a few episodes ago. With Sullivan looming, I think Sullivan will give Champa a run for his money. Uh, Sullivan definitely needs to be that match. Like I said, it's not Sullivan's time just yet. And at TakeOver Phoenix, that could actually happen. I think Champa has to meet, needs to get needs to go through Dream, face Sullivan, and if he can get past Sullivan, we get the conclusion of, of Champa Gargano. That's where I'm going with this. Champ, it's going to be an amazing match between these two. I think the chemistry between these two has been nothing short of epic. Um, these two have worked very well with each other um, ever since the feud started to take place and started to get momentum going into this Saturday night. But in the end, I see Champa holding somehow cheating his way to win, hitting his finisher. And retaining the championship and moving on to take over Phoenix where he has to now deal with Lars Sullivan and his greatest threat yet to the NXT championship. That's where I'm going with that. Champa beats Dream. And for unfortunately for Dream, Dream over for now. For now. Main event. And this should be the main event because it was last year. War Games. After last year's War Games involving the Undisputed Era, AOP and Roderick Strong, and Sanity, we have been clamoring for part. We have been clamoring for part two. We really have, and I am very happy that they have now made this a yearly thing. Um, last year's. War Games match was on my top 10 list for 2017. My personal top 10 list. I never released it. It's unfortunate. But I did have the War Games match, I believe, at number 10 on my list. And I'm sure for some of you guys, you probably think, oh, that should be higher on the list. It was a great match. And yes, it was. But there were a lot better matches that were involved not from 1 through 9. Now, this had been building up for months for for a for a long long time, and this is what and I loved how they did it last year, and they do it did the same thing coming right out of Brooklyn. Immediately they started building this match up. Of course, Ricochet beating Adam Cole for the NXT North American Title. Um, 
the War Raiders losing to uh, actually losing, uh, actually winning the match against the Undisputed Era for the Tag Team Championships. Bobby Fish returning and attacking both men with a steel chair and bringing Undisputed Era back to full strength. Um, they also had, you know, had some run-ins with Pete Dunne, big time. You know, especially since they faced each since uh, Dunne and Ricochet faced against the Undisputed Era, and with Undisputed Era beating Dunne and Ricochet, leading into their champion versus champion match with both titles on the line, and then uh, the Undisputed Era attacking both Dunne and Ricochet at the end of the match. And what I thought at that point, up to that point, was a really damn good match between the two, and it should definitely be an honorable mention regardless if it was a disqualification or not. And then October 31st happened. Adam Cole and Bobby Fish were scheduled to face the War Raiders in the main event. Uh, during their promo, the War Raiders attacked the Undisputed Era and started a four-on-two matchup, uh, and the action spilled out into the courtyard of Full Sail Live. When the Undisputed Era got the upper hand in the War Raiders, Ricochet entered the fray to help out. Uh, the Undisputed Era ha- again had the upper hand, making it a four-on-three. Uh, when Pete Dunne entered the uh, arena, then it spilled back, spilled back into the arena, and then uh, Pete Dunne entered the fray to even the odds. It was at that point William Regal had had enough. And with the Undisputed Era getting out of the ring, getting out of Dodge, William Regal announced that the two sides will face each other at War Games. The Undisputed Era taking on Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and the War Raiders. Now, within this past year, from War Games last year to War Games now, Roderick Strong went from being a babyface to now a heel with the Undisputed Era. And his evolution, no pun intended, has been amazing, you know, him, and I've seen him as a heel before, he, in ROH, he was a solid heel, uh, he was a damn, damn good heel, you know, in, uh, Ring of Honor, uh, known as Mr. ROH, of course, but he was, a, he was, it was good as a babyface, but he's so much better as a heel, and he plays the part so well, of course, in the absence of Bobby Fish, he and O'Reilly have developed a chemistry that, that I have never seen before, um, these two have killed it in the ring, and now bringing back Bobby Fish, it just adds more dynamics to the group, um, now, we all know last year, Undisputed Era defeated AOP and Roderick Strong and Sanity to win War Games in what I thought was a, just a classic War Games match um, with an open cage across two rings. Now, I hope this time around that they go back to the true old school. I don't know. I know Vince McMahon last year, uh, they, the idea was run by him and he 86'd it. And when we saw the match, it actually makes sense as to why. Of course, with the superplex spot off the top of the cage onto everyone in the ring, which was a damn good spot and one of my favorite spots of last year. It was absolutely fucking insane. It was really, really great. Um, if you haven't seen it and you're in, you should get bopped on the head with a tag hammer about 30, 50, 35, 40 times, um, I would suggest you go back and watch that match before you watch TakeOver War Games this weekend. Um I know Undisputed Era won last year. And they just definitely deserve to win because now and then prove their dominance in NXT. This time around, they will not be so lucky. I do have Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and the War Raiders getting retribution, getting their getting their just due, getting their redemption of sorts, if you will, over the Undisputed Era. Now this will lead to a, a number of things. I know Pete Dunne's going to be working in NXT UK. So right after this, I'm sure he'll be doing a lot more NXT UK stuff. 
Um, with Ricochet, I don't think the uh, the Cole Ricochet uh, feud is over just yet. I think I, I'm not sure if Cole has invoked his rematch clause for the NXT North American Championship, but that does need to be revisited. And then I think the War Raiders take on the Undisputed Era one more time at TakeOver Phoenix. Like I said, a lot of things will, after this, after this pay-per-view, we're heading towards uh, the Royal Rumble weekend in Phoenix, Arizona. So already in my head, following this, I'm already technically, if you really follow the bouncing ball, I'm setting up, excuse me, I'm setting up TakeOver Phoenix's card already, if you honestly think about it. Shampa Sullivan, um, Undisputed Era War Raiders for the NXT Championship, NXT Tag Team Championship, Adam Cole Ricochet 2 for the North American title, um, Kyrie Sane, Bianca Belair for the Women's Championship, and then whatever match you want to add as a fit. Follow Bouncing Ball, you'll have your card for Phoenix. That's just what I'm predicting. That's what I see from my eyes and the way I see it in my head. That's how I would book the card going in to take over Phoenix. But. I think P. Dunn, Ricochet, and the War Raiders winning does make sense. Um, as much as I would love to see Undisputed Era win, a, win the War Games match for a second year in a row, I think it does not call for the Undisputed Era to win. Um, they need to get their redemption on them. Um, they, some sort of, you know, redem- some sort of, you know, rain down on them should be happening. So that's what I have for NXT TakeOver War Games. I'm going with Kyrie Sane 2-1 to win back the NXT, tag, uh, NXT Women's Championship. I have Gargano being Aleister Black in what I think is going to be an amazing match between the two with Candice LeRae getting involved and Gargano hitting the Gargano escape to win the match. I have Tommaso Ciampa defeating the Velveteen Dream in what I think is going to be a damn good match between these two to retain the NXT Championship. And Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and the War Raiders defeating the Undisputed Era in War Games. Guys, this now is our, of course, with any takeover, and I like I've said I think I've said it plenty of times on here. There's only been one card, and that was takeover, and I was I believe Royal Rumble. Ugh, words are hard. Royal Rumble weekend in San Antonio, I believe that was 2016. That has been the closest to even matching the intensity and the level that takeover has done. That's the closest they've gotten. And I don't think WWE is going to even touch this and be even close to what TakeOver War Games is going to be, guys. This Saturday night, I believe, is my is our Survivor Series now. Given what's going to be going down in Survivor Series on Sunday, we're going to enjoy this show. I'm going to enjoy it. I will be reviewing it next week without fail, uh, either Monday or Tuesday, depending on you know certain things going down. So that is my review and pre- preview and predictions for NXT TakeOver War Games time to talk about Survivor Series now before we got to the go home shows for Survivor Series personally um, I thought this was actually going to be a shit show to be truthfully honest I mean yes there were some matches that were highly anticipated but with only two weeks to actually build this uh, card, um, I believe it felt a little lazy. Um, I know they were going with the uh, brand supremacy 
angle, which I, which honestly made sense, but it didn't really have that feel of brand supremacy because they've only been doing, only been dealing with that for two weeks. When if it, and Vince McMahon said himself, when the brand spirit, brand split, uh, became was actually brought back, um, it was going to be brand supremacy. And in my mind, if you're going to have brand supremacy, I was thinking, you know, along the lines of, you know more shit talking amongst the shows, you know, maybe a Seth Rollins talking about, yeah, they don't do it over here. You don't, we don't do what they do over on SmackDown doing blah, 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 and all this. We, we are the real A show. And then they would go and prove it week after week. And that has been absolute bullshit because all we've been seeing for the past year is Raw tanking as fucking usual, giving us uh, the three consecutive weeks of 2.3 ratings, uh, the worst in Raw's history. Literally, the three worst shows in Raw's history, back to back to back, and SmackDown just literally, by proxy, just blowing them out of the water because, well, Raw sucks cock. But, of course, with the news of Becky Lynch not being involved in the match against Ronda Rousey, and Daniel Bryan now being the new WWE Champion, um, it makes things a little interesting um, in terms of the whole card itself. Um... There are some matches here that I like. There are some matches on here I could give a less of a fuck about. But we're going to start off with one match that I'm really interested in, which is Buddy Murphy versus Mustafa Ali for the WWE Cruiserweight Championship. Now, I know they're going to have a pre-show match uh, one hour before the show. Um, I personally hope this does not look as the pre-show match. Um, I hope they actually put the Cruiserweight Championship on the main card because it deserves main card status, even if it just opens the show or it's just a match in between one of the uh, Raw versus SmackDown matches. But the Cruiserweight Championship match should deserve to be on the main card. It really does. And it would be really nice to showcase the Cruiserweight division as a whole um, to put that on the main card. Um, Mustafa Ali became the number one contender. Uh, by defeat by not only defeating Hideo Itami in a false count anywhere match, but defeating Tony Nese a week later become to become the number one contender for the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, Buddy Murphy, Buddy Murphy at Super Showdown became the new Cruiserweight Champion by defeating Cedric Alexander in his home country of Australia, and it is absolutely fantastic. Um, Buddy Murphy, ever since his uh, I guess his debut in the since his debut in the cruiserweight division has been nothing short of an ass kicker. I love what they've done with Buddy Murphy. I love how they built him up, and I know now you know him being the juggernaut of the division. He has shown that he can. He has the strength, the agility. He can. He can do everything that needs to be done. Not only as a bigger cruiserweight, but he can definitely high fly with the best of him if he decides to. But and Mustafa Ali is the one of the you know is the heart of N of not NXT. I wish. But uh, the heart of 205 Live, he's shown his resolve so many times during his career as a cruiserweight. And it, it, I think this match is going to, if they put it on the main card, could be one of those matches that can honestly steal the show. Um, I really do hope they put this on the main card. It deserves that main card status. And I would have, and I'm going to go with Buddy Murphy retaining the cruiserweight championship here. Mm, excuse me. Um, I really think right now, Buddy Murphy just became the new champion. Um, it would be ludicrous to have him lose a month after he just won the strap. 
Mustafa Ali will put in his best effort to dethrone the champion. But in the end, I believe right now, Buddy Murphy going forward is the match you want to go. Buddy Murphy winning this match is what you would want to go for. Uh, it makes sense. It's logical. Um, to be honest, I'm not. There's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of contenders you could really go with. And I think one in particular, and I'm not going to, I'm going to go on the record of saying, I, I would consider Mike Canellis gets, starts getting that push, uh, gunning towards the cruiserweight championship. I don't know why I've been thinking about that ever since he made his, uh, 205 live debut, but Can- Mike Canellis is definitely someone to keep your eyes on. Uh, another one being Tony Nice. I know him being friends with Buddy Murphy. I think that may come to a head somewhere down the line. Um, and those are two of the ones that I can think of right now. Uh, the other one, I was going to say about Hodel Watami, but he just lost to Masafa Ali two weeks ago, so that wouldn't make much sense to do that. Uh, I think the winner of Alexander uh, versus Leo Rush uh, definitely would have a say in terms of you know him getting a shot at the championship too. And I would side, uh, I would side on uh, with Rush to start getting his push. So then you so you have three top contenders right now, possibly gunning for Buddy Murphy's Cruiserweight Championship. Right now, Buddy Murphy needs to keep the title around his waist. He just won it. And I think going forward, it could produce some epic clashes with Canellis, Nice, and Rush. Now, the match that I believe should be on the pre-show is the five-on-five Survivor Series Tag Team Elimination Match. I'm going to take a sip of water on this because I'm, gonna, I'm about to rant on this shit. Gotta live water. Team Raw consists of the captains, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, The Revival, The B Team, Lucha House Party, and The Ascension. Yeah, I'm gonna let y'all dwell on that for a second while I try not to vomit. After what happened on Mon- at the opening of Monday Night Raw, when they had the tag team battle royal, and they had Braun Strowman destroy every single person involved with that match, just to get to a promo segment with himself, Stephanie McMahon, Baron Corbin, and Ronda Rousey, Raw's, a- Raw's tag team division is an utter joke. You have AOP as the tag team champions, and then you have a bunch of who gives a fucks. That's what I'm saying. Um... It really, it's really disheartening to see how much care they do not have for the Raw Tag Team division. It does piss me off to a point where, you know, they've literally buried an entire division over the course of, like, a few months. It's insane to, to me to believe that, you know, they just don't give a shit about anything involving the tag team division because, I mean, AOP just beat Seth Rollins in a 2-1-1 handicap and to become the tag team champions, and that's all fine and dandy, but you have nothing to build around them. The B team can go fuck off. Um, the Ascension is a bun- is, is just a couple of whatevers. Um, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable should have broken up a long time ago with Roode uh, turning on Gable and him turning heel and then start gunning for the Intercontinental Championship because he fucking deserves it. Um, and the only credible team, maybe outside, of, maybe Lucha House Party, you could put in there. I don't know, but the only credible team that I see out of the of this ten man team is the Revival. 
That's it. And it's disgusting. It really is. It really is just mind-boggling how an entire division got buried in one night. It really is. This is this is the match that should be on the pre-show just off of that fact alone. Just off of that alone, it should be a pre-show match. Uh, Team SmackDown, considering of the cap, consisting of the captains, uh, the Usos, um, the New Day, of course, uh, after their clash to fight for the captaincy of uh, for Team SmackDown, uh, Usos' first pick was immediately the New Day after the battles that they had against each other. It made sense. Uh, Sanity, uh, who we haven't seen in God knows how fucking long. I, I mean, after um, Nikki Cross. Uh, Guess I kind of guess made her SmackDown debut, kind of, sort of. Um, they actually showed up for once in the past three, four months. Um, the Club, who we haven't seen in God knows how long. And the Colognes, who no one really gives a fuck about. Smile? I mean, it, it kind of confuses me as to the fact that, you know, both tag team divisions are really non-existent. Um, with the SmackDown, it's really just the Usos, the Bar, and the New Day, and then there's everyone else, and then, like I said before, with Raw, just a bunch of guys who are there. Um, in terms of who will win, I think it honestly makes fucking sense to tell Raw to go fuck themselves, and SmackDown should just clean sweep the fuck out of Raw. They should just, they should just clean house on this and win handily. I don't care who the sole survivors are. I hope all 10 men are the sole survivors. I hope Team Raw gets their asses kicked in this ma- in this tag team elimination match because they don't fucking deserve shit. Because they have done nothing to deserve anything. They have been given no care. They have been given no uh, build, no push, no nothing. Raw should just get swept. Bold prediction. Will they? Probably not. Um, the B team should go first because... Fuck them. The Ascension should go uh, get <laughs> eliminated right after. Uh, Bobby Roode and Chad Gable should then get uh, eliminated, followed by Lucha House Party, and then the Revival. In that order. I would just love to see all 10 men just get swept, and because they fucking deserve it, and no one cares about the Raw Tag Team Division. After they literally got buried just two days ago. And that's who I'm going with for the tag team side of the uh, Survivor Series match. Now, going into the first of the Champions vs. Champions matches, uh, AOP taking on The Bar. Of course, AOP becoming the new Raw Tag Team Champions, defeating Seth Rollins a couple weeks back um, due to Baron Corbin being a fucking dumbass and a, and a TGI uh, Friday's general manager in disguise and, <laughs> and simply uh, telling Seth Rollins he will defend those titles against AOP and then single-handedly destroying them within about five minutes. Way of the Road. The Bard defeating the New Day. I believe it was at the Super Showdown becoming the new tag. Actually, no, it was SmackDown 1000. They won the tag team championships from the New Day and then defending it at Crown Jewel and retaining the championships. Um, this is an interesting one for me because we. I know AOP just won the Raw Tag Titles. Uh, the Bard just won the tag team championships. So, there's a little bit of momentum more so on the bar side than AOP, but to be truthfully honest, 
don't be surprised if AOP gets the victory here. Um, I know it's brand supremacy. I know it would be really in a really easy call to have the bar beat AOP. Um, I think this is actually going to be a better match than most people anticipate. To be truthfully honest with you guys. Um, but I can see, I honestly can see AOP getting the victory here. I mean, I more than likely will be wrong. Because, you know, it's the bar and they're the hot hands. Cesaro and Sheamus are definitely known. I love the bar. I love the way they get down in the ring. Um, having, having Big Show there really does nothing for me. And I could care less about him making his 14,000 uh, heel slash baby face turn. But AOP getting the victory here, I think, kind of makes sense. Um, it would give them some momentum going back to Raw that Monday night. Um, showing that they are the better tag team. You know, and they're a damn good tag team. Let's not forget, guys. In NXT, they were dominant as fuck. They had matches with the Revival and DIY, a match of the year candidate in in that triple threat match. I believe it was Takeover Toronto. Was it Takeover Toronto? No, I believe it was the Takeover Athlete. I forget which one. But they had a classic triple threat tag match. Now I believe that was a ladder match too, if I'm not mistaken, for the tag team championships. They could do so much damage in the Raw Tag Team division if they are just given the shot. One, and two, they are actually given the opportunity to have teams to build around them to give them a dominant tag team title reign. And that's what I'm, that's what you have to think about here. You know, you have to make AOP look dominant. You have to make AOP be worth something and be worthwhile to actually give a fuck about them and so i'm going on with aop to win against the bar and in a shock victory uh one i think the la crowd would actually cheer for because i think aop is could, can definitely get over with the crowd i mean like, like i said they they were dominant in nxt they made them look dominant in nxt and once they made their way up to the main roster they were just looked at as an afterthought now it does suck that Paul Evering is not going to be there. More than likely, I know Drake Maverick being the manager for AOP kind of still doesn't make sense to me, but that's what we're going to have. That's what we're running with. But I can, like I said, I can see AOP being the bar here. I just, you got to give him the shot. You got to give him the shot. You have to. I think, I think it's time, you know, if you're going to make the tag team division relevant on Raw, AOP getting the victory. Be- begins that momentum. It begins all of it. If this is the way you want to re- have the resurgence of the tag team division, you start with AOP beating the bar. Simple as that. Getting into the next five-on-five Survivor Series elimination match, we're talking about the women here. And I just don't know what to think about Team Raw. With uh, I mean, Alexa Bliss is the captain. I was waiting. I was actually waiting for my uh, tablet to go off. Now, Miss Bliss, Liv Morgan, and Sarah Logan are going to be at, probably at ringside, if anything. Um, it's going to be Team Raw, Mickey, consisting of Mickey James, Nia Jax, Tamina, Natalia, and Ruby Riot, against Team SmackDown, consisting of Carmella, Naomi, Sonya Deville, Asuka, and now um, we don't know who the fifth lady will be just yet. Uh, I'm going to go, and I'm and if they were smart. 
which they're not, uh, I would go with Peyton Royce to get the fifth spot here. I honestly would. I honestly believe Peyton Royce can make waves in this match if you give her the opportunity to do so. That is my prediction as to who will be the fifth woman in this match. I mean, I know Survivor Series can make careers. Uh, we've seen it plenty of times. You know, Randy Orton has been a sole survivor plenty of times. John Cena, you know, Seth Rollins, you know, the, I'm sure the, the Shield, they've made, you know, names like that. They've made their, some of them have made their names at Survivor Series. And off of that, they have started their momentum towards bigger and better things going into the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. And to me, Peyton Royce should get the nod for the fifth spot. If they were smart, they would give Peyton Royce the spot. But when you go into WWE logic, I have a stupid, strange feeling they're going to go with Mandy Rose to get the fifth spot. I honestly think that. I honestly think they're going to be dumb enough to give Mandy Rose the fifth spot. And then they're going to probably start pushing Mandy Rose because she is blonde and has tits and a nice ass. And I, I mean, if you've seen her Instagram, I tr- trust me, I have. She looked good. I'll, I'll give her points for that. She looking all types of goods. But that doesn't just because you look all types of good does not mean you should be involved in a Survivor Series match. That's just honestly my opinion. I'm gonna take a sip of water real quick and let y'all think about that. Let it marinate. They would be stupid enough to do that. And just because Sonya Deville's there and maybe they create some dissension between the two and absolution, um, that may. Maybe DeVille, you know, gets her, you know, I've been kind of hearing, I heard a little bit that maybe DeVille is going to start getting a bit of a push on SmackDown. Um, I can honestly give less of a fuck about that. That's just my opinion. I think DeVille, I I mean, when you're looking at the, when you're looking at this match, there's a lot of ladies in getting involved that should not be on the main roster right now. And looking at it right now, I don't believe, Tamina should be on this. I don't believe Nia Jax, after what she pulled on Monday, should not be on this. I believe Tamina should have been nowhere near this. I believe Natalia should have been nowhere near this. I believe Sonya Deville should have been nowhere near this. And I don't believe whoever the fifth, I mean, if they have Mandy Rose, I don't think she should be anywhere near this. I think Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan should all be in NXT as as well as Deville and fucking uh, Mandy Rose. They should be nowhere near the main roster right now. And they only did it because of the superstar shakeup, and they tried to add depth to the division. When it all, bought, when it all they did was just add bitches. I really don't give a fuck about just yet. Maybe out of out of all the names I just said, with Morgan, Logan, Deville, and if they go with Mandy Rose um, and Tamina, the only one I maybe give a fuck about, honestly, out of those five, would be Deville. Truth to, to, to be truthfully honest, and I know Riot and Deville had a bit of a rivalry in NXT before uh, Riot got the call up. But honestly, with those five ladies, I could give a fuck less about. If I were booking it, and I just use smart, and I actually use a half a brain on this motherfucker, I would have gone with Mickey James, Ember Moon, Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Ruby Riot. Take on. I guess if I had to make my decision, I would have had uh, Charlotte, Oscar, Naomi. I would have had Peyton Royce, and if I had to choose a fifth, and I really wouldn't want to choose this but i guess you add carmella you know due to the simple fact that i guess she held the championship and i can't really think of anyone else i could give a fuck left. actually no i could i would what would i say oscar charlotte 
Naomi, uh, Peyton Royce, and I, I get, I'd go with Car. I guess I go with Carmella because I could really give a fuck less about you know having Lana involved, Sonya Deville, uh, Mandy Rose, whatever. It is that, and, and honestly, what I just what I just put out there is way better than what we're going to be getting with the five on five women's match here. Raw should not be winning this match at all. I could give a fuck less who won it last year. I don't care. SmackDown should win this hands down. This should, I mean, this literally, ever since they've done started doing five-on-five Survivor Series matches for the women, the Raw team is the worst five-woman team I may have ever seen constructed. Period. You have Natalia and Ruby Riot involved in a feud. What kind of sense does that make, bruh? And you're literally leaving Ember, Sasha, and Bailey off the card. For what? What? Because Nia Jax had Nia Jax and Tamina are Samoan. They have ties to the Rock. Hmm. That's what you're going with. Nia Jax already has a title shot at TLC against Ronda Rousey. That's fine. Have her drop out to Rousey at TLC. Having Miss Bliss. Captain the team. She just picked her. All literally, all she literally did was pick her friends, and then the way they had Sasha Banks versus Bailey to determine the last member, and then just have uh, Mickey, Naya, and Tamina just attack both Sasha Banks and Bailey, just causing disqualification, and then saying "fuck you" to the crowd and announcing Ruby Riot was the fifth member made absolutely no fucking sense. So that really shows you what WWE really thinks of Ember Moon, Sasha Banks, and Bailey. They're literally giving double birds the rest of y'all including myself, and I'm doing double birds right now. They're literally doing double birds to y'all and saying, we can give less of a fuck about Sasha, we can give a fuck fuck less about Bailey, and we certainly don't give a fuck about Ember Moon. Whether they want to say that or whether they think that or not, they could give less of a fuck about actually having top-tier talent on a Survivor Series card. Like I said before in yesterday's show, your best five versus my best five. Let's see whose women's division is better. All I'm getting is their worst five versus an okay five. And we'll see how it goes. Um, I honestly feel Asuka should be the sole survivor again. I think that I'm not thinking it's going to be a clean sweep on for the SmackDown side, but I have the SmackDown women's side winning this just off names alone. I think Nia Jax will be the first one eliminated. I think Tamina will be eliminated right after. I think uh, Natalia will get screwed over by the Riot Squad, and she'll get eliminated. Uh, Mickey James and then Ruby Riot can then have their fun with that. But I believe Asuka is going to be your sole survivor again. And thus, I hope this turns into a possible uh, build for Asuka to get a shot at the SmackDown Live Women's Championship, as I stated in the opening segment of possibly having Charlotte versus Asuka for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship if they decide to relinquish the title and take it off of Becky. That's just my opinion on that. We then move into the last of the five-on-five Survivor Series elimination matches. Um, Team Raw, consisting of Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, and Bobby Lashley, um, with Captain uh, Baron Corbin, who I can give less of a fuck about. And Leo Rush is probably going to be at ringside on the microphone 
rooting for Lashley as usual and making my eardrums bleed. Uh, going up against SmackDown, The Miz, Shane McMahon, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe, and now Jeff Hardy after Daniel Bryan what became the new WWE champion uh, last night on SmackDown. Um, I'm just going to say it, man. SmackDown completes the sweep. SmackDown beats Raw. I honestly think there's a lot of moving parts here with Raw in terms of, you know, hatred towards each other. I think Baron Corbin will screw over Braun Strowman. I think McIntyre and Zig McIntyre may... I think McIntyre is going to be the star of this match. I think McIntyre is going to fucking shine. In terms of the Raw team, he's he's going to get the push. I know I've heard reports from Dave Meltzer that he is going to be getting a huge push in 2019, whether it be winning the Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania 35. I'd rather it be sooner than later so Brock Lesnar can go the fuck away and go to the UFC and face Daniel Cormier, kill him possibly, and win the UFC heavyweight title back. Not a prediction as of yet, and I don't usually make predictions for the UFC cards because those things are effing crazy. And if you saw the knockout of Yair Rodriguez with the no-look elbow on uh, the Korean Sabi Chang Sung Joon, uh, you'll know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Trust me, that was one of the coolest knockouts I had literally ever seen in my life. But Drew McIntyre is going to be the one of the bigger... He's going to make headlines in this match. Uh, like I said before, Survivor Series can make a career... And with Drew McIntyre possibly getting a huge push, I think he is going to shine in this match. I think he's going to get at least two eliminations involved in this match. I think that McIntyre shines, but I don't think Raw gets the victory here. There's too many moving parts. There's too much. I believe with this match, it is going to blow up all in Raw's face. Um, I know Shane McMahon um, being involved kind of makes it weird. Um, I'm sure he'll bring the World Cup championship uh, trophy out being, you know, he's best, he's so the so-called best in the world, whatever. Um, I just think with the, with the five on five, I just think with the, with the Miz McMahon, uh, Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy, I just don't see any possible way Raw wins this match. I just can't see it. It just, it, it's beyond me. It would be beyond logic to have Raw win. I think SmackDown sweeps Every single tag, every single elimination match, I think they embarrass Stephanie McMahon. I think Baron Corbin gets his ass handed to him by Braun Strowman um, come Monday night. I hope that shit's going to happen because Corbin deserves his to get his ass beat. It bees what it bees. I think McIntyre and Ziggler will be the reason that Balor gets eliminated. Thus, uh, going in, I hope, going into TLC, it will be Balor McIntyre. And Bobby Lashley can just go somewhere else. Bees what it bees. Um, I'm not saying, a, I will say clean sweep on the Survivor Series matches, but I will not say a clean sweep here for the match. I think in terms of who will be the sole survivor, there won't be one. I think there'll be two. I think um, for some reason, Shane McMahon will be one of them. Uh, and then the other one, and this may be a shock, I'm going to go with The Miz to be one of the two sole survivors for the Survivor Series team. Uh, this may help, and you got to think of it like this now. Daniel Bryan is the WWE champion on the SmackDown side. You honestly don't think The Miz knows that? You don't think The Miz kind of gets is a little butthurt about that? Yeah, I think The Miz and Shane McMahon will be the sole survivors for the SmackDown team. Um, 
going forward. I don't know what you know it means for Mysterio, Joe, and Hardy, but I think they'll put on good showings. Just I just think the Miz and McMahon, it makes sense for them to be the sole survivors. I don't know why, but it does. And that's what I'm going with. I'm seeing a clean sweep on Sunday night for the SmackDown side. Raw gets embarrassed. And I, I remember them stating, for some reason them stating the last two years Raw has won it when literally Raw dominated last year. And I believe SmackDown won it the year before in 2016. So another logic gap there. But if you want to go off that narrative, um, I think SmackDown makes a statement and shows that they're the better brand. Given the fact that they're going to be on Fox uh, in 2019, it would make sense for SmackDown to just destroy Raw at every single fast shape of the turn. Uh, it would just be the cherry on top of what Raw has been this past year, and it is trash. So that's what I'm going to go with Miz and McMahon being the sole survivors, and then the Miz possibly challenging Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship somewhere down the line uh, leading up to their WrestleMania match. Possibly. Who knows? We'll see how it goes after Survivor Series. Now, getting into the champion versus champions match, the two that uh, the two champions versus champions match we have, besides the uh, Ronda Rousey Charlotte Flair match, Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. Again, on Tuesday night, Daniel Bryan became the WWE champion and in the process turned heel. I don't know what the reaction for him is going to be in LA. Uh, I'm assuming since if you, if you were Seattle colors, cause I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan, if you were Seattle colors in LA, given the fact that the Rams just beat Seattle, um, this past Sunday, I don't think he'll be as welcome <laughs> in LA wearing Seattle Seahawks colors. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, just for just on a football perspective, I don't think that'll mesh well in LA. Now, what happens here? What do we get? What kind of match do we get? Because if you honestly think about it, this is a match that's four years in the making. If you truly think about it. I'm assuming Brian, like I said in the opening segment of the show, wanted this match uh, to after in order to be re-signed with the company. And it would just, I don't know. The, the real question should be this. How many suplexes is Daniel Bryan willing to take? Because I think they, I don't know, because I don't, because I, because it, it just boggles my mind how they didn't want to have Styles Lesnar too. Because I had in my mind already booked it to have Styles beat Lesnar and get his win back, thus cementing his, uh, his legacy as WWE champion and having a signature win under his belt during his title reign. And I think it would have made sense to get his win back somehow, some way, beating the Beast. Lesnar can take. Lesnar can afford to take a loss. Um, now that we have switched the dynamic, and we have replaced Styles with Brian, I hate to say it, but I think Brock Lesnar is going to get the victory here. Um, I know Lesnar is going to be getting paid a buku amount of money. I know that Brian is definitely going to put on his best foot. Is going to put on his best foot forward. I think he shows up, but I think Lesnar's going to beat the, I think it's going to be, I'm not going to say it's shades of John Cena, Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam 2016, because that was just a mauling, and I laughed too hard during that entire match, uh, just hearing that kid in the crowd sitting and saying, let's go Cena, and him just getting you know, suplexed right after that, uh, it's not, I don't think it's going to be that many suplexes, but it's going to be enough for Brock Lesnar to dominate and take the victory over Daniel Bryan, that's just how I see it, um, 
I believe they should be mindful of Brian, you know, because of his uh, concussion issues and his uh, health in the past. Um, but I, I now, instead of Styles beating Lesnar, Lesnar now beats Brian. And it's sad. I, I really didn't want to see that. I really don't want to say that, but I, I mean, Lesnar beating Brian, I guess, would just. In, in, and I'm going with WWE logic. My logic would just be Brian overcomes, you know, everything, overcomes it all, and actually beats Brock Lesnar and in the David versus Goliath situation and makes Brock Lesnar tap out in the middle of the ring to the delight of the crowd. But I think we're going by WWE logic here, and Lesnar beats Brian. Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. I mean, Nakamura. <laughs> Welcome to the United States of Nakamura, everyone. Shinsuke Nakamura is our president, and it is cool to have a guy, to have a president of the of Nakamura, uh, whose campaign slogan was literally "Need to Face," and that's the campaign he ran on. <laughs> I just had to say that. I know Donald Trump is our president, but. Uh, in 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 uh, WWE land, Knock America is uh, for everyone. We welcome everyone in this beautiful place. Needs to face for everybody. Uh, as soon as you uh, become a member of Knock America, you have to take a need to face. That's just how it goes. Anywho, this is probably one of my favorite matches on the card. I think these two are going to kill it. I can't believe this match is actually happening. I was kind of nervous. Um... A little bit. I know they haven't really done shit with Nakamura ever since he's won the United States Championship. That actually has been a thing. And it really sucks that Nakamura's title reign really hasn't lived up to the hype. Um, it's kind of like he's just there to be there type deal. That's how I see it. It just, it, But it just really sucks that Nakamura really hasn't done anything with the United States Championship. It's really been, a, a I guess, like a consolation prize for Nakamura to just have the U.S. belt. It's kind of like a prop at this point. It really hasn't been utilized. I think he's only defended it like maybe twice in the Latin. The most recent defense was um, Rusev. And uh, I believe it was at Crown Jewel in, the pre, in a pre-show match nonetheless. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, okay, you know, I, I sorry we're not going to give you the uh, WWE Championship because you fucking deserve it and you're like one of the best guys on our roster. And we don't honestly give a fuck about you becoming WWE champion. So we're going to give you the United States championship and just let you hold it for a while. And we're just going to put you in a Survivor Series because reasons. Um, in terms of the match itself, uh, I think it's going to be fucking awesome. I think these two are going to go at it. This should be one of the your most anticipated matches of the night. And if it's not, your your mind is just shot. Um... Who wins here is the question. I got to go with Mr. Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, it's just for the simple fact that Seth Rollins and has been dealing with Dean Ambrose ever since they uh, won the tag team championships and Ambrose turned on Rollins. He cut an amazing promo. Excuse me. Um, on Monday night, pretty much explaining why he did what he did and why he turned heel all of a sudden was because being in the Shield made him feel weak. He felt that Seth Rollins was making him feel weak. He felt Roman Reigns was making him feel weak. And that's how it went. And that's how it goes. Um, I, these two are going to steal the show. 
in LA. It's a perfect market. I think LA is going to enjoy this. I hope they get a shit ton of time. This is going to probably be like a four or five hour event anyway. So these two are going to get a significant amount of time. I'm saying let's go 30. I'm going to give them 30 minutes and just go fucking crazy. Let them go all out. I want to see Falcon Arrows. I want to see multiple uh, Kinshasa's. I want to see knees to a face. I want to see, you know, them, you know, just, I just want to see all of it. I want to see everything. My body will be ready for it. My mind is ready for it. I have mentally prepared in my mind how I think this match is going to go. And in the end, Nakamura does win due to interference by Dean Ambrose, distracting Seth Rollins long enough for a knee to face, hitting the Kinshasa. I think he's going to hit two Kinshasas to beat Seth Rollins. And uh, in this mid-card champion versus champion match, these two, I think, I mean, I was going to have Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch be my uh, pick for match of the night because I thought these two those two deserved it. It was going to be the main event. Um, but now with that match kind of being ousted, I think Rollins Nakamura may steal the show and become match of the night. That's my get. That's my pick for match of the night, by the way. Rollins Nakamura is going to be match of the night now. That's my pick. Um, I hope these two really put, I hope they get enough time just to still, just really show the crowd what two big names in Rollins and Nakamura can do. This is a dream match for a lot of people, including myself, ever since Nakamura made it up to the main roster after his uh, call-up from NXT. And seeing this now, finally, for the first time, is going to be absolutely epic. Um, like I said, give him 30 minutes, let him go crazy, Dean Ambrose gets involved, um, distracts Rollins long enough, two Kinshasa's from Nakamura, Nakamura beats Rollins, that's your headline Monday morning. And finally, we'll end the, the preview and predictions for Survivor Series with Ronda Rousey versus Charlotte Flair. This is also an anticipated match that a lot of people thought was going to uh, possibly main event WrestleMania 35 in uh, New Jersey. And I do enjoy this match. Um, I would have loved to see Rousey, Becky... I would have loved to see that, but um, by but unfortunately, Nia Jax had to fuck it all up for everybody and punch Becky right in the face, break her nose and shit. <laughs> I said, don't like. Okay, disclaimer: don't give Nia Jax any hate on Twitter. Um, there's no need for that. I mean, she's already gonna get she's already getting enough heat from WWE as it is. There's no need to pour any more on and any more heat than she's already getting. We know if 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 you're if punishment enough is getting her to job out to Ronda Rousey at TLC, that's fine and dandy. Just don't call for suspensions. Don't no need to call for terminations. Um no need to revoke her chance of becoming the uh, at the Raw Women's Championship. She earned that by winning the Battle Royal, regardless if if, you know, Rock's uh, the Rock's mother was in the crowd and all that bullshit. Let that be. Going now going into this, what do you do? Who do you pick? When I first initially thought Rousey versus Flair, my first initial thought was if it was going to be at WrestleMania, Charlotte would take the title from Rousey and be a nine-time women's champion. This is now not the case. This is non-title. I believe this begins the four-horsewomen versus the four-horsewomen angle. And if I had to guess as to when they would do it, 
SummerSlam 2019. If they decide to do it in Los Angeles, California, would be one hell of a place to do it. And that's my bold prediction for that match. I think that match would be perfect for SummerSlam. Um, going back to the scene of the crime back, you know, since they're in Los Angeles this weekend, going back to L.A., Almost a year later and having the four a four-on-four four women's match, I think would make the most sense to do that. Who wins here now? Um, initially, I actually, if, if Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey was still happening, don't be alarmed, guys. I would have had Becky win. I would have had Becky beat Ronda because, um, honestly, Becky is the most over woman in the entire division on Raw and SmackDown combined. No two ways about it. I would have given Becky the win. I would have had Ronda tap. I would have had her be humbled. I would have, I would say it would have been a good match between the two. I think, it, you know, it would have been Ronda's best match to date, but that's not discounting Charlotte at all. I think she's going to be, she's going to take Ronda to her limits. But I'm actually going to go with Ronda here. Shock and awe, I know. Uh, cue the shock and all, everyone. Um, I think in terms of how I would book it going forward, now since it's a, now since we're getting it at Survivor Series instead of WrestleMania, I think it would actually make sense for Ronda to beat Charlotte. That would create a little bit more dissension between Becky and Charlotte. You know, Becky then can go to Charlotte and say, I picked you to fight for SmackDown and take my spot, and you did not get the job done. What in the actual fuck, lady? What the fuck is up, Kyle? What the fuck is up? <laughs> I would, yeah, I'm gonna, I would be, I will be giving Ronda Rousey the victory. I think, like I said, it's gonna be Ronda's best match to date. I think Charlotte's gonna take her to a limit that she has not seen before. I'm very excited to see what these two can do in the ring. I can't wait to see figure eights applied. I can't wait to see an arm bar to Charlotte. I can't wait to see how this goes. This is going to be, uh, I mean, the crowd is going to be so behind this match that it's going to be so insane. I can see dueling chants of Charlotte. Let's go, Charlotte. Let's go, Ronda. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be so fucking epic to have that moment there, and I can't wait to see it. But I think going forward and booking-wise, Ronda beats Charlotte. Like I said, the titles, no, there's no titles on the line. It's just you versus me, honey. Ronda catches Charlotte in the armbar and makes Charlotte flare tap, creating more dissension between Becky Lynch and Charlotte, and that adds more to the hatred, you know, with, I mean, yes, the yes and all that, they hugged, you know, I mean, after a match like they had at Evolution, you know, I think Lynch and Charlotte give each other more respect for that, regardless of whether they hate each other or not, uh, per storyline, um, they do have more respect for each other, they, they went to war against each other. Hell, you know, Charlotte got powerbombed through a fucking table. Through a table and sold it very well, may I add. It was fucking fantastic. But I see Ronda beating Charlotte. Uh, Then, you know, starting a little taunt with Becky. All that fun stuff. I think Becky will actually be a ringside for this match. I think she'll be in commentary. And she'll be right there in Charlotte. Not taking Charlotte's corner, but, you know, kind of rooting Charlotte on because she wants Charlotte to beat Ronda. But in the end, Ronda catches Charlotte in an armbar. Charlotte taps. Ronda beats Charlotte. And that, guys, is my Survivor Series preview and predictions.
Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 24 of the Young Lions Perspective. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your brunch time, your evening time, your tea time, uh, whatever time you're checking out this podcast, wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for checking out the show. If you enjoy this episode, do not hesitate to tell a friend to tell a friend about the podcast. Put it out there on your social media, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, and let the people know that the Young Lions Perspective is the alternative to professional wrestling podcasts and that we are here to stay guys if you are not listening to me on the anchor app and why aren't you because it's one of the best apps in the podcast game period you can check me out on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, breaker Castbox, overcast pocket cast radio public stitcher radio and that good old spotify fam just search for the young lions perspective and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever I am followable on social media, on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI and on Instagram at Suede underscore Senator underscore WWI. Follow me on those platforms where you can keep up with what I'm doing on social media. I do live tweet for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK 205 live every WWE pay-per-view and as as much as I can for any New Japan pay-per-view when I'm up at 2.30 in the goddamn morning. Trust me, guys, it is hard to wake up at 2.30 in the morning when you're a heavy sleeper like myself trying to wake up and trying to watch these shows. Um, now, of course, we got one more big day of podcasting going down. We are going to be talking about tomorrow, NXT Go Home Show Review, NXT UK Extravaganza. They may I'm not sure if they're going to do another two hours, but if they do, I will be reviewing it and talking about the highlights of this show. And of course, 205 Live. Uh, guys, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll be talking again tomorrow. Until then, guys, see ya!